Hi there. Welcome to episode number 14. The title of today's podcast is Being a Best Boss. And I am interviewing Dr. Randy Reese, a recently retired vice president of human resources. He is a student on the game of leadership. He's educated formally and in experience with managing and leading people. He's wise, he's humble, and there's so many things that we cover in this interview that you're going to want to hear. And some of the things that we looked at is, how do you give people the benefit of the doubt while holding people accountable? What is square one leadership, one of his philosophies, and how he has used that to become a best boss? Randy shares why he asks questions in order to generate conflict and how doing that can help improve engagement. He has one question that he asks every candidate in interviews. You're going to know, want to know what that question is and why it matters. He shares the difference between delegating, dumping, and dropping. We cover the four top barriers that stop people from becoming a great leader. And he shares how to overcome one of those barriers, which is being a gutless leader and talks about specifically how to become more strategic. It is wise and smart information. Dr. Reese is sharing just because he wants to help. He doesn't have a book or a program that he's trying to get you signed up for. He's sharing his wisdom and his knowledge. And so I'm just so glad that he took the time to spend it with us today. And I know that you're going to enjoy the interview and get much from it. So let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, my name is Susie Price, and I am a professional facilitator, consultant, and author. And for the past 12 years, I've been in my business, Priceless Professional Development, where we help organizations put the right people in the right seats, and we help organizations bring out the best in their people. And the areas that I focus on and that are covered in this podcast, the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, are employee selection and professional development. My goal is to give you tools, programs, resources to help people like you, leaders, trainers, and consultants, build energy, commitment, and communication in organizations. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad I get to do this work and have great conversations with people like Dr. Randy Reese. So we're in episode number 14. The title, again, is Being a Best Boss. And it is an interview with Dr. Reese. Uh, the show notes for this episode can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash best boss. And best boss, B-E-S-T-B-O-S-S, is all lowercase, and it's all one word. So I mentioned in my opening that Dr. Reese is most recently a retired vice president of human resources at Chattahoochee Technical College. I didn't tell you where he was a VP of HR, but it was at Chattahoochee Technical College. And he currently serves as a human resource consultant to the president and does some consulting on the side. And a little bit about Chattahoochee Technical College. It's here in Georgia, which is where I'm from. And they cover a six-county area. They have about 13,000 students. And they offer education and training, things like technical, academic, and adult education. And their focus is on building well-educated, globally competitive workforce for Georgia. So they have 70 different degrees. And just the degree programs are anything from business services, computer sciences, engineering, health services, 
Public Services and Technical Studies. So that kind of gives you an idea, Chattahoochee Technical College, where Dr. Reese was the VP of HR and is currently serving as a consultant to the president. So I didn't know Dr. Randy Reese. I found him through an interview that I did in episode 13. So episode 13 of the podcast was the title is Four Skills Best Bosses Have Mastered. And I interviewed three people about their best and worst bosses. And that episode, you can find it at pricelessprofessional.com slash four skills. And it's a word four spelled out, four skills. And in that episode, you'll hear many statements from Beth Zulo, who is someone I'd worked with somewhere else where I was delivering training for their leaders. And I was talking to her about who's her best boss, and she told me about Dr. Reese. So I'm going to replay for you now some of the statements that Beth Zulo made about Randy Reese and why he was a great leader and some things that matter to her. So you can hear that recap. There'll be three or four minutes of this, and then I'm going to go into and give you a little bit more detail on his bio so you can understand his background and how rich it is, and then we'll go into the interview with Dr. Reese. But first, here's some comments that Beth had when she talked about Randy, and just listen for the admiration that you hear and the impact that he had on her and her ability to be effective. You'll hear it. Let's listen to Beth. He was fair to everyone. I mean, if you were doing something wrong, he would let you know. He was all about the organization. He was about the big picture. Now, when I first met him, um, he told me, you know, I, I was working at a pace or trying to get things done, but we were always waiting on other people, kind of frustrating. And he said, I don't, I'll never forget, he said, Beth, slow down. They they don't work like that here at higher ed. So that was new coming from K through 12. And he taught me a lot about higher ed. He taught me a lot about everything, period. Um, he was very, always calm, tempered. Um, he was always, um, he cared about everyone on his team. I'll never forget, he gave me a list of things he wanted me to accomplish within my first couple of weeks. And one of them was to reach out to each vice president and go meet with them. There were seven, I think, six or seven. Um, go meet with them individually and see how they see professional development in the future. And that I was nervous, um, but yet it was fun because he wasn't there. He didn't have to be present. He, he trusts, I mean, not that he trusted me yet. Um, trust had to be built with him, but um, he let me do my thing. He And then I would come report back to him probably too much in the beginning because I was, <laughs> one time he said I was high maintenance, but in a good way. Um, so <laughs> I would, cause I didn't know how, you know, that was the first time I had been in an office for 10 years. So yeah. um, he said, when you need to meet with me, meet with me. But that really was impressive that he gave me that task. And he, I thought he trusted me enough that, for my first day to reach out to the vice presidents and just go ask a simple question and gather the data and then report back to him. Um, and then, he, oh, I, this is where I was getting. He said to me, he goes, Beth, just think of me as your safety net. You do what you need to do. And if you have questions, you can come to me, but think of me as your safety net. So if I made an error, I mean, that gave me um, the confidence that I needed to go ahead and do what I yeah. needed to do or wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, go, but I'm not going to leave you out on your own. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what a neat task. I was actually working with somebody recently just doing a thing about new new hire orientation because people flame out quickly. Often new hires do. There's a high percentage that don't make it. 
and the fact that he gave you specific things to do and that one of yeah. them was to go meet everybody, what a way to, to and with a specific task, to start to feel inclusive and to get a handle on what's going on around there as what related to what your duties were going to be. That was cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That, that so impressed me, um, and that was the first time ever in my life that that's happened. Because usually you don't yeah. have any guidance at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why so many people flame out <laughs> when they're new yeah. hires. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so guidance seems like the key word with him, too. Like, he guided you. You were new into this culture. Uh, you'd been oh, in a absolutely. different culture. And he told you the basics, things that somebody else yeah. might would know. You didn't know, and he saw it, and he told you. Absolutely. He wouldn't reprimand you. He would learn. He would treat it like it was a, as Disney would call it, a successful failure. Uh, uh, and we learn from it, and we move on. No big deal. So there was no, we would make a big deal out of this, or let me tell you how it's done. It was more of, okay, this is oh, how we talk about it kind yeah. of thing. Yes, yeah. never. Never would he say, this is how it's done. He was all open. Yeah. If you see a way to fix something that we're doing if, to be more efficient, please, let's hear about it. Yeah. No, he he was never my way or the highway, ever. Yeah, yeah. So what did that do to you, having somebody who was not the my way? I mean, what did it do to your engagement and how you felt about the work? Well, before I get to the engagement and feelings about the work, it made it difficult to move on to anywhere else. I'll tell you that. Tell me about his ability to listen and the impact it had on you and the team. Um, tell, talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, well, I know um, he came from the K through 12 environment too. Um, he taught middle school and he went into the administration role in HR and he came through that environment up to higher ed. So that was new to him. Um, he was there a few years before I even got to Chattahoochee. So, but as far as listening, he, um, he really took the time to listen. If you were just someone walking by and his door was open Hey, Randy, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure, come on in. He'd stop what he was doing. And he would, um, I know he, I think, I don't know if he's experienced an active listening course or if he just knew so much about it. Um, I'm pretty sure he probably had something to do with it. But he listened, but not only did he listen, he would repeat it back to you, sum it up like you're doing very nicely. And he would do the same. And then that made a person feel good. Wow. He, not only did he just, you know, listen, he heard me. He heard me. My feelings are important. And he may not any, do anything with it. I mean, there might not be anything he could do, but each employee walked out of his office felt like they were listened to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then he, he would say, well, you know, in some cases, well, what would you like me to do? Um, he would clarify, uh, yeah. are, are you just yeah. bending or is there something I need to do? Ah, I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that, uh, what you're sound, expressing to me and, um, is maybe just cause this has been on my mind a lot lately, but it does sound like it. It's that being present with people and presence and the power of that, that is really like, oh, yes. I don't need to fix it, but I can just be present. And that yes. is a gift. It is. It, it really is. It sounds like it really was with him, too. And you know what? He would remember it also. He had a memory. Oh, my goodness. He remembered everything. 
All right. You can tell that Beth enjoyed working for Dr. Reese. And once you listen to this interview, you're probably going to say, wow, I would like to work for him, too. You might be feeling like I do. (laughs) He is a humble man, and you'll hear that in the interview. And I have to say that he's also very gracious. I mixed up. I'm a pretty timely person, and I'm a little bit fanatical about it. But somehow I listed our meeting time at 10 o'clock on my email to him with the interview questions. And then I put it on my calendar at 1 o'clock. So guess what? I called him at 1 o'clock, and he said, oh, I thought we were meeting earlier. And he was so gracious. He had time, um, didn't, didn't think of it as a big deal at all. I felt terrible about it, but he kind of made it clear that we were just going to move on and let's record. We can do it now. And he graciously gave his time, an hour and a half of his time, even though I was late, ding, ding, ding on me, and yay for Dr. Reese. So he's got so many admirable personal qualities. Let's look at a little bit of his professional background. As mentioned, he was the vice president of human resources at Chattahoochee Tech, and he's the HR consultant to the president right now as he's retired. His career path was he started out as a, as a teacher, and then he became administrative assistant, assistant principal, and principal of Cobb County, which is one of the big counties here that has one of the best school districts in the in the state. And he's been in that was in that role for about 16 years. Then he moved into administration and human resource management, and he worked in several school districts, districts, Cobb County, Douglas County, Bartow County, and then he became the chief human resource officer, the CHRO, for Fulton County Schools. Um, some initiatives he lists on his bio, he, he did some meaningful work within the school system. He established employee documentation procedures. He established the uh, child abuse protocol with DFACS, Department of Family and Child Services, which is all of these initiatives are so important because they affect children and education. He worked with the Sheriff's Department for fingerprinting of prospective employees. He reorganized a human resource department. He restructured the application interviewing and employment process, established common ratings and language for interviewing teachers, implemented electronic application process, developed and implemented a strategic plan for recruitment and retention of teachers, established a human resource leadership team, developed teachcob.com, which was a marketing plan to enhance recruiting uh, their recruiting program tradition tradi- ah, I can't say it transition employees in outsourced technology function to an in-house technology function um, established a dedicated HR website implemented a position control process to prevent over hiring and I'm sure there's more and the reason I wanted to go into all those initiatives is I just wanted you to see everything that he shared whether you're in the school system or or working in higher education, or you're in a business. Those are all kind of things that we work on as a business leader, whether you're in the school system or you own your own business, you're in a big organization or you're in a small business, you're always working on all those functions. So his experience is relevant to you, I believe, and and when you listen to this, you're going to agree with me too, I believe, Um, his experience and what he's sharing is relevant to all leaders. Uh, no matter where you're serving as a leader. A little bit about his education. I've referenced him as Dr. Reese, and he has a doctor of education from the University of Alabama, and he has uh, his educational specialist degree and a master's of education degree and a bachelor of science degree from the University of Georgia. And all of those degrees were focused on leadership as one of the core studies. So he's also done a lot of leadership continuing education with Dale Carnegie, um, 
the Professional Practices Institute, Oxford University, Nordham Center for Leadership, Oxford, England, Haberman Star Teacher Selection Interview Training, um, extensive. So it has an extensive background, which is always impressive, but I think it's even more impressive when you have someone with such an extensive background who also is giving and helpful and humble and gracious and is able to not just be a leader, but can talk about and analyze and share in a clear manner that's helpful to others on effective leadership tools and mindset and steps. So uh, without further talking from me, let's get started. Let's get into the interview. This is my interview with Dr. Randy Reese, and let's, let's listen to that now. All right, I'm excited to have on the call today Dr. Randy Reese. Dr. Reese, thank you for being here. You're quite welcome. Now, uh, I'm asking you, we're going to start with our call, our interview, with some fluffy questions so we can get to know the really important things like... What's your favorite guilty pleasure TV show? <laughs> okay. Um, this is not well known publicly, but my wife and I both like to watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette series. And part of that is um, she's a school counselor and most of my career has been in human resources. And we like to see um, how good we are at judging the compatibility between the the contestant and the and the uh the candidates and uh see what we can pick up with body language and comments and the whole bit and invariably she um uh, does a better job than I do but we watch <laughs> that together quite That's often fun. yeah yeah, <laughs> I never thought about looking at it that way. I could totally look at it that way, and I've never watched the show. I do that kind of with American Idol, but I've never watched it. So now that you said that, I'm going to consider that. So trying to figure <laughs> out how close, you know, this one goes with this one, or oh, bad choice there, kind of uh, figure out what's really going on. It is fun to do. It really is. And as I said, she invariably gets it right, and um, um, sometimes I get it right, but it is fun to Okay, did you see so and so or did you notice that um kind of pose or that grimace or that comment? Um yeah, we enjoy watching that together. That's fun and tuning into kind of what's the vibe, what's really happening uh, outside of what's being said, which is a good skill to hone as a counselor and a human resource person and as a leader. <laughs> uh, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it is. That, that yeah, makes sense. So the other kind of uh, light, maybe fluffy question is, what is your favorite possession? Yeah, and I, I um, going to take that question literally. Possession is is the key word in my mind. Um, it's a 1931 Model A Ford, and um, it's a uh, it's a vehicle my dad bought when I was five years old, and um, I actually learned to drive on it. And um, several years ago, I had it restored and keep it at my house in the garage now and bring it out occasionally and drive it around. Wow. So you you do drive it sometimes? I do, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's so cool. That's what you learned to drive on, a 1931 Model A Ford. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. 
Oh, that is that does that just has so many meanings. What you learned on it was your father's, and plus I don't know if you do you typically like cars or is it just this car? No, I like classic cars quite a bit. Um, I like history, period, and uh, the the cars fit into that whole notion of of the liking of history and time period. So, uh, the, uh, but obviously this one has special meaning. Uh, to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's special. That's mm-hmm. how many people could say that, that they've got the vehicle they learned on and it was their father's and that you still have it and can drive it. That's neat. No wonder that's your it favorite is. possession. It is. I, 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 that was an easy one. That is my favorite possession. Came to mind right away, huh? Yes, it did. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So our topic today is around leadership and about being uh, a, a great leader and bringing our best to our team. And so we'll start with some questions for you so we can get to know you as a leader and or not start, but move away from the fluffy questions to some more around our topic. We, and the first question is, uh, tell us a little bit about a challenging moment and the way we worded the question is your most challenging moment as a leader. What could you tell us? Sure, sure. Um, the most challenging uh, moment uh, in an organization, this has been a few years ago, we were having um, uh, difficulty with the budget, and um, it was quite a bit of money. This is an organization with about 12,000 employees, and um, so when it ends up being a lot of money, many times you start looking at um, employees and employment, and we had to um, initiate a reduction in force, and it was 431 people. Yes, it was very difficult um, because so many people get hurt by something like that through no fault of their own. It's not about performance. It's not about attitude. It was strictly about um, budget and and essential functions of the organization. But that responsibility was left to me um, initially. And then obviously I pulled together my HR team. Um, I think we did a a good job of um, implementing it, but it was still extremely difficult. Yep. Yep. That's a tough time. I've, I've been through those myself as a consultant and uh, in HR, and that can be challenging when you're the person in charge of it, as you were. Um, that was a tough time. It's very difficult. Again, a lot of people innocent, innocently uh, get get hurt, get harmed by it. Um, I was pleased several people in the organization who, in fact, were uh, affected by it um, either told me directly or told staff directly that, you know, although they weren't happy about what had occurred, they appreciated the way uh, that we had handled it, you know, professionally and compassionately. And actually saw someone a couple years later um, in a different organization, and the, and the person mentioned, I'm sure you don't know me, but, and I was just kind of bracing for the the attack, and the person said, you know, know how difficult that was, but I really appreciate the way you and your team handled it. 
wow, that is out of a tough situation. You could tell that you all put your nose to the grindstone and figured out, okay, how do we do this in the most professional and caring way? And that's a hard balance to strike. And I think those are the perfect, uh, that's the perfect choice of words. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to be efficient with it, but that doesn't mean you can't be uh, professional and caring about it. Um, yeah. You just really try to put yourself, I, I kind of call it uh, square one leadership is uh, square one's me and how would I want to be treated in a similar circumstance. And, you know, I want somebody to give me all the facts. What's the reason for the, for the riff, what's the reason I'm included in the riff? How's it going to work? When it's going to ha- when's it going to happen? So, yeah, I think those are great choices of words, uh, professional and caring. I think that's that's the the tough balancing act, but I think it's critical. Yeah, yeah, and I like the square one leadership, uh, thinking about okay, what would I want if I was going through this, and you yeah. let that drive your actions. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've I've kind of used that for many, 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 many years, and uh, it's worked for me because, you know, again, how would I want to be treated? Well, I don't want to be left in the dark. I don't want to be disrespected, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's yep. an easy one for me to remember. Yep, yep. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I like I really like the square one leadership because that is something that great bosses do leaders is is think it all the way through and do the professional thing and do the caring thing both well I would. the next question is your your most rewarding moment as a leader think back yeah, to I'm, your career what was rewarding sure i'm i'm going to have to to uh fudge a little bit here and and give you kind of a two part answer if that's okay, okay perfect yes uh, my career is kind of split um, I worked in public schools, uh, actually in the schools, for 17 years, and part of that time I was a principal of a school. And the most successful thing that I did uh, there, and I would say with a lot of help from an extremely dedicated faculty and staff, we worked a strategic plan for school improvement. and. Um, the short version is, is that we uh, had the highest uh, gain test scores in our county, and um, literally we had a deficit between our students' ability, which was very high, and our students' uh, performance, which was high but should have been higher. And uh, with this, again, very dedicated group, we worked the plan and had tremendous gains uh, in uh, student performance and really got them where they should be in terms of ability, which is which is really great. Love, love seeing that. Yeah, boy, that ripples out throughout their whole life. Well, it does. It really does, and, and both for students and for faculty, because faculty uh, could see the the results of putting a plan in action, following the plan, and then seeing the results, you know, really come to fruition, which which is really great. And then obviously the students were the the beneficiaries of of the whole thing, and they they played along really well. 
Yeah, yeah, they had good leadership. <laughs> well, but yeah, I, I, so yeah. There, there, there were a lot of leaders in that group, and many of them were teacher leaders uh, yes. who just endorsed the whole notion of, you know, we've got a gap to fill, and we need to do that. Yeah. So the second piece of my career, really, and the vast majority of it, has been in HR. And this is a real easy question. I've actually been asked this question before um, in interviews where I've interviewed for a, for a position and it's the, the, the most rewarding uh, moment. I had three protégés who worked with me who ended up being directors of HR in different organizations all, all at the same time. And I was the proud daddy of all of them, I can tell you. I was so excited, and all of them did extremely well. Two of them have retired now. Actually, all three of them have retired now after very successful careers, and we're all actually still very good friends, which is an even greater plus to it, yeah. Yeah, got all the history together, and you were able to to, uh, cheer them on to their success and play a part in that. That's awesome. Exactly. It was was so rewarding, honestly, and, and... all of them worked extremely hard to, to kind of learn the craft of HR and and then obviously move into the, the leadership roles, and they all did such a great job. They, they really did a – so proud of them and you know, felt such a sense of accomplishment, people kind of achieving where they wanted to be. Um, that, that's just a great one. Yeah, and it's a theme between the both, which is the public school and your HR, in my mind, is an orientation towards helping people reach their potential and a great sense of pride about being a part of that process. Yeah, I think that's a critical piece of leadership um, is, you know, obviously your your job is to uh, is to meet some kind of operational goals and expectations in the whole bit, but the reality is uh, a huge part of it is those that, you know, whom you work with, you you better find out where they're trying to go and help them get there as well. Um, it'll, it'll pay dividends for you and the organization. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a huge piece of leadership in my mind. Yeah, and I think so much of engagement is, you know, we all have it. I don't care how educated you are, experienced you are, we all have a little bit of a sign on our forehead. It's like, do I matter to you? And <laughs> Absolutely. When, you know, D-I-M-T-Y, is that what the letters would be? But, you know, and so when they when someone feels like, okay, my leader is paying attention to what I'm doing, is interested in my development, wants to know my opinions, it means they matter, and when they feel like they matter, people are more involved, you know. And like you, you just said, you better find out where they want to go and where they're trying to go and help them get there. That's awesome. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. The whole notion of do I matter, um, you know, I, li- I like to use the, the word value. Uh, do, do you value me? Am I valued in the department? Am I devalued, uh, valued in the organization? Um, yep. Everybody wants to matter. <laughs> you know, everybody wants yep. to to have value. So, uh, again, if you kind of go back to square one and what would I want? Well, I, w- I would want to know that 
I matter to somebody. I matter to the organization. Sure. That's awesome. So I like hearing about the things that you are uh, remember as your most rewarding moments, and it's about others. Uh, before we move to our next question, or I'm going to ask you to reveal one other thing about you so we can get to know you a little bit better, and um, that is what's one thing most people do not know about you? Yeah, that's that's kind of a hard one. I'm kind of a quiet person anyway. Um I think most people don't know that I'm an introvert, um, but I really am an introvert. And um, it's funny, I was having a conversation with someone the other day who I've known for many, many years. And um, we were actually talking about administering the Myers-Briggs to a, to a work group. And uh, I said to her, well, I'm an INTJ. said, no, you're not. You're not an introvert. And I said, yes, I really am. I said, I just kind of know that I can't necessarily be as, as quiet and introverted as I want to be most of the time. But I I think a lot of people don't know that I am an introvert. Yeah. Ah. So people would see you and describe you as outgoing and uh, talkative or... I don't think they would say outgoing or talkative. I think they would say I'm... Um, I'm quiet, but I, you know, interact with people. I'd say that I think they would say I was friendly, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really kind of a one or two people at a time kind of guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the career hasn't really suited itself to being a one or yeah. two person kind of guy. <laughs> well, it sounds like it worked because what you did is you, you know, one on one, very comfortable there, made a difference. You know, and then apparently you were very visible, so that's interesting. Do you I hope both of that? those things are true. Yeah, I hope both of those are true. I feel that way, and I hope they're true. Yep, I'm thinking they are. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> so let's talk about that, your journey as a leader. And, sure. Uh, we all have a story. I know I do, and most people do. So talk a little bit about your story, you, you know, maybe what things that happened in your life that influenced you to get to where you are today um, and helped you want to become a great leader and helped you become a great leader um, from some of the feedback that we've gotten and what we can see about your background. So uh, what's your story? Sure. Um, I've, I've been extremely fortunate with the influencers on uh, my life and my career um, starting with my uh, parents initially, and I'm part of the boomer generation, and you know our parents instilled in us the whole notion of the work ethic, and you know you work hard, you'll get ahead, uh, and there's a certain way that you work, you know, integrity, respect, trust, honor. Um, those are the things that you know my parents instilled in me, and it was it was non-negotiable. Uh, sometimes I had to be taught the hard way. Those things were important. Um, and then I have one brother, and my brother has uh, been very successful in his career and uh, has been a real good role model for me. And then I've been so fortunate, the uh, different leaders that I've worked for and worked with, I've learned so much from them. And 
the vast majority of them have also been um, they've been mentors when sometimes I don't even think they realize they were they were mentoring me um, each of them uh, taught me something sometimes but most of the time uh, here's a great way to handle XYZ Mm-hmm. And then sometimes here's a terrible way to handle X, Y, Z. And obviously, and I've told the people that that I work with, you know, really try to model the things that I do well and learn from the things that I really screw up because I'm going to make mistakes and learn from them and, and don't do that. Um so mine's really been a, a, a very evolutionary kind of career, um, and each person that I worked for and worked with, I've learned a lot from them. I've been very fortunate that way. Um, when I was really a young boy, one of the best teachers that I ever had uh, gave me one of the best pieces of advice. He he said. Uh, you have to ask a lot of questions to learn things. And I've never forgotten that. And, um, you know, sometimes I drive uh, my own supervisor crazy because I do ask questions and I do ask the tough questions and I'll keep probing and keep probing. And um, that's a skill that's, I think, served me very, very well. Uh, Sometimes they want to Know, pop me in the face because I keep asking that question. <laughs> like, oh, or it's going to ask more questions. questions. Oh. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. And what do you think that does? It gives you more information. It lets people know that you're interested. Um, what are kind of the key key wins out of that about asking lots of questions in your mind? That, that's a great question in itself. Um Yes, sometimes it's merely to get more information. I just like to know more. What what's going on? Why are you doing that? What are the particulars? Sometimes it's really let's ask the questions out loud so we can think through the question, the possibilities, the implications. Um so sometimes it's have we really thought thoroughly through that? issue and the questions might help guide us in better decision making um sometimes it's it's really to generate conflict very frankly and hopefully out of conflict it comes a better solution um i li- i like i like people who ask questions um now let me let me clarify that uh, I get irritated with people who ask who ask dumb questions, or lazy <laughs> lazy questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I like questions, and I, and I think you get a lot of different information from asking a lot of questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get a better handle on the whole situation. I think it's interesting that you said that uh, you, sometimes you ask questions to generate conflict. Say more about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people really uh, dislike conflict uh, and think it's uh, it's uh, threatening, it's uncomfortable. Um, but I suspect some of the best ideas, best solutions, uh, 
have come out of have come out of conflict, and conflict can be as simple as um, I think this is a better way to do that, or this might be a different way to do that. I, I couldn't imagine anybody who's ever um, invented something or uh, taken something and made it quite a bit better. Uh, automobile, for example, computers, for example, uh, telephones, for example. I couldn't imagine that someone didn't say, well, you know, you could do that, but if you did this, it might work better. And there was probably a little disagreement about the best way to go. And the reality is the path you take might not be the best, but it might be different than you originally thought. So, yeah, I don't think conflict is a bad thing at at all. And if you can get people to share disagreeing opinions, like, well, I don't really agree with you, boy, it opens up so much because it's like, well, why? And then like, well, because of this and this and this. And then you go, well, what about this and this? And this? I mean, it's just like so much more energy around that, you know. And and it's like we're always talking about engagement. Well, so if I can't disagree with you or if we can't have a little bit of that tension in the room, um, then everything's kind of boring and flat. But if we have it, if people are energized by sharing what they think, even if, you know, and if they can be in an environment where the leader is okay with that, that, that just energizes everybody, you know, to, to share what they really think and to say, say what their viewpoint is and you can make better decisions. So I really like the idea of using questions to generate a little bit of conflict and teaching people it's okay to disagree or it's okay to have some of this tension. I think you summed it up perfectly, uh, absolutely perfectly, and and y- you ask the best question. Why is it? Why are we doing that? Or why? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think it's important for HR people to do is, on an annual basis, look at um, look at policies, look at HR policies, and ask the question: Why is it we're doing this? Now, the interesting thing is, as you well know, the most common answer probably is... Because we always did it that way. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so then the next question is, well, is that the best way? Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I really think that, that the whole notion of asking questions and questioning things, obviously, you need to you need to do it in the right way and respectfully and yeah. you know you can you can question the idea and attack the idea obviously not the person but i think you summed yep. it up perfectly yeah it 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 generates some tension and out of that it may generate a much better idea much better solution whatever yeah people are energized by it too once they realize okay nothing bad's going to happen out of this and so I get to really say what I really think, you know, how, like, healthy that is. <laughs> they, very functional. They really, oh, they really are. And, and it, it, it is the notion of uh, energizing. It is the notion of engagement. Uh, it is the notion of what we spoke about just a little earlier, that whole notion of value. Y- you mean I really can tell you what I think about that, and you're really not going to fire me or you're really not going to discipline me? 
no, you know, <laughs> we come up with some good ideas. And yeah. you may have a better idea than I have. There's a good possibility yeah. that you do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of my nephew has moved up here. He's living with us, and he's just out of school, machine tool technology, and his boss is really, really smart, but he likes to yell a lot. And my Ooh. nephew is really, really, really smart. I mean, he's really smart. Common sense, and he's passionate about the tools, and he's on YouTube. I mean, nobody's more interested in this than him. And uh, so far, his boss has not figured that figured that out you know it just mm-hmm. say, it's it was a good day today i didn't get yelled at i'm like oh man <laughs> oh gosh this poor boss is missing oh, out because there's this young guy you know he'll gosh. he'll be fine he'll get through it and he's learning stuff you know so it's all good but uh it's like I, you know my nephew would add so much value if he could figure that out you know figure out how to let him question things you know, so it's just that upfront and, and recent example comes to mind, you know, something personal, you know, so it happens in big ways and small ways, but it happens a lot. Yeah. I just don't understand that mentality. I mean, you know, obviously most leaders have a certain base of knowledge that's probably pretty strong, but that doesn't mean that you can't get a better idea or you can't get, I mean, I'm not over an HR department anymore. Obviously I've, I've retired from that, but um, I would say to uh, my, my team very frequently, you know more about that than I do because you're the expert on that. Now tell me what you think. Tell me how you think we should handle this. And, you know, 99% of the time they had a better idea and it was the right idea. Um, yeah. I, I just don't quite understand that notion of I've got all the answers because I sure don't. I can tell you that I'm still, I'm still learning every day. And for, for leaders, I think, if you think about my wonderful nephew and his boss, his not so wonderful boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I guess the mind loop is uh, uh, afraid to give up the up sure. the reins. I think this particular sure. guy yeah. is, uh, we happen to know about his business and such, but uh, is just maxed. So, I mean, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. He's running 100 miles a minute. I know his personality style, you know, just a real urgent style. So you see mm-hmm. that a lot. A lot of leaders are big mm-hmm. thinkers, so they got a lot going on. So mm-hmm. they try to get control as opposed to letting go of the control while still being in control. Uh, what would be your take on that? I know you've seen over the years uh, leaders in different organizations trying to maintain control. What do you think is going on there? I, I think, again, you summed it up perfectly. Instead of maintaining control, uh, and I'm sorry, instead of giving away control, they want to maintain control. Um, yeah. I, I kind of use the term, you can either choose to put a fence around people and they're going to behave like there's a fence around them. Ooh, I like you that. Can, literally, or you can turn them loose and obviously you got to give them very clear expectations of what, what you want and there's got to be things that are goal and mission driven. But the reality is, if I try to control everything, guess what? I'm going to control everything. Yeah. Conversely, if I 
give up. And I don't really consider giving it up. I really say, this is your job. That's why I hired you. Now, I want you to be the expert in that in that area. And I'm going to come to you to say, what do you think we should do here? Um, later on, I think um, one of the things we might talk about is is where leaders kind of have difficulty. And I think the one of the biggest areas is the whole notion of micromanaging. Yeah. And and I, I I see why people do that. Uh they've been successful uh yep. with a certain model and they've got to a certain level with that same model and so why should I change? Well, what I would say is, okay, what if we use that same mentality for automobiles, computers, uh, yeah. phones? Uh I think we'd still be driving a 1931 Model A. It runs fine. Still runs fine. Right. The problem is it'll take me 10 hours to go to Macon. <laughs> That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> I love that. You know. Yeah, because we need to continually evolve. Sure. And what worked sure. then to get you here might not work now. That's exactly right. And I think each time you you kind of, quote, move up the, the ladder in in, in leadership – uh, the reality is you're not going to be able to control, handle, operate the way you did before. Chances are you're going to have a much wider span. You're going to have more responsibility. And I don't think you can you can generate the same quality of work that you did when you had maybe one responsibility and you didn't supervise anybody versus you have – Huge responsibility, and you supervise 150 people. Right. I think it's I think it's hugely different the way you have to approach things. Yep. I like that. That's a very logical way to look at the lead by inviting participation, which is one of the skills that I'm I talk about. But uh, it's a logical way to say that. You know, it's just okay. You, you got to evolve and. If you want to generate the same quality, then you need to evolve how you work with folks. Um, totally You can't agree. control everything. No, no, you really can't. And, I mean, you know, we, it, it's really that, that whole notion of of trust. And I, I actually like that question very much in, in interviewing prospective employees. And yeah. I'll ask it very open-ended. Tell me what trust means to you. Ooh. And some great responses, honestly. And some people are just kind of dumbfounded by the seemingly simplistic nature of the question. But, you know, there's so many dynamic pieces of, of, of the word trust. And I think as a leader, um, and, and part of that is is the whole notion of as a leader, I sat down years ago and kind of tried to formulate my belief statements about leadership and about uh, uh, staff members, employees, et cetera. And I have a real, real strong one that, that I, I believe 100% that the vast majority of employees want to do a good job. I, I truly believe that. 
And if I give them very clear expectations and uh, essentially uh, give them the tools that they need, whether it's computers, office, supplies, direction, whatever it might be, given the tools they needed, I firmly believe, and I just believe this 100%, that they're going to try to do a good job. Where it gets sideways, I think, is uh, if I really don't believe that, it's going to show in the way I, I treat them. I'm going to micromanage. I'm going to second guess. I'm going to oh. tell them what I want done, and it's got to be my way. And again, I've, I've essentially put a fence around them, and you know employees as well as I do. They're going to say, okay, I'm just going to wait till he tells me what, what he wants done, because if I turn something in, he's going to say, oh, no, no, that's not what I wanted. Well, just tell yep. me what you want. So I think that whole notion of, of trust is so critical, so critical. So you said you wrote down your belief statements, and one is the belief statements around leadership. The vast number of employees want to do a good job. Do you, do you have any of the others handy that you could share? Mm-hmm. My second, with, second one is um, a small percentage of employees want to do an outstanding job. And I think that's the gap that good leaders try to fill is, you know, the old uh, Collins statement, good to great, yep. is I, th I think the really, really good leaders are the ones who can take those who, again, inherently, I think, want to do a good job and whatever the word is, motivate, inspire, empower, engage. Uh, to do a great job, I think those are the top uh, maybe 5% of the successful leaders that can get the majority of the good employees to be great employees. Uh, I oh, think that's I like the key to leadership right yep. there. Yep, yep. It's hard. Leadership's hard, period, as you well know. Yep. It's very hard. Yep. It's something that never stops, and that's what's no. kind of exciting about it. And so somebody, when somebody I'm coaching, uh, we had a plan, something she was going to do, and, and she emailed me weeks later and said, I failed. And I did, I did it. This is what happened, and nothing worked. <laughs> I tried to call her. I couldn't reach her, so I sent an email and said, you know, you didn't fail. You didn't fail. You tried. You worked it out. You thought it through. You can't fail because... You're never done, and you're not done. So you didn't fail. That's a great point. <laughs> you know? that's a great yeah, point. And, and that's what's to go back to your point is you know it's just an ever out, ever unfolding process, and it, you're not done because there'll always be something else to engage in, another level of, of value you can bring, a new awareness. And so if somebody can embrace that, then uh, they'll be the guy or the gal who who believes these two things and, and does is able to take people from good to great because they're constantly working on their ability. Um, that's awesome. What other beliefs great, do you have? Great point. Um, hmm. Do you have any well, other? Well, the other piece of that is uh, I have a, 
a full page of them. I don't have them in front of me here. But part of that is the whole notion of um, I trust employees. Uh, I do. Yeah. I trust yeah. employees. Now, you can easily lose that trust, but you can easily strengthen that, that trust. But inherently, I, I trust employees. Again, it gets back to my my basic on the top of my list. I think the vast majority of employees want to do a good job. I, right. I really do. So, Randy, earlier you talked about one of your favorite interview questions, uh, which is open-ended and very simple, and it tells you a lot. Tell me what trust means to you. When you ask that question in an interview, is there anything in particular you're listening for? Uh, is it something that would somebody would say that would make you realize you are a part of my team or maybe you're not a fit for our team? Uh, tell me about that question and what why sure. you ask it, what you're looking for. Sure. Um, not necessarily in this order, but one of the things I'd be wanting to hear is um, trust means um, you can trust me with information. You can trust me with confidential things, particularly in an HR arena. Um, Uh. Our reputation is so um, critically based on employees' confidence that we're going to be confidential in certain things. And so I would want to hear that someone understands the importance of that. The other piece of trust would be... um, you've given me an assignment, you've given me a project, or I see something that needs to be done, I've taken the initiative, you can trust if it's been assigned to me or it's in my area of responsibility, I'm going to get it done. And you don't have to worry about it. Um, I'll never forget, in one of my earliest leadership roles, um, I reported to the deputy superintendent of one of the major school systems in Georgia. And I'd been there about a day or so. And this this guy was revered as literally one of the most respected people in the state in um, HR. And he gave me an assignment and, you know, I need for you to do X, Y, Z. And I said, okay. So I went back to my office and I said, okay, this is the um, typical first day assignment that means nothing. It's just busy work just to keep me out of his hair for uh, a few hours because he knows I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And so I um, procrastinated for a day or two and then I said, you know, I probably ought to do that. And so I, I did the assignment, never heard a word from my boss until about two weeks later, and then he came in, just stuck his head in my office. He said, Reese, I need for you to come with me to executive cabinet. Do you have the information I ask you to put together? Oh. Yes, sir. As I was sweating profusely by now, (laughs) we, (laughs) we go into executive session, I'm sorry, into executive cabinet, 
superintendent turns the meeting over to the deputy. The deputy introduces me and says he's going to give you a report on X, Y, Z. Ah. That was one of the best lessons I ever learned about leadership because it literally, that was the definition of trust to me uh, for a leader and a team member. I never forgot that. And literally, I did numerous prayers that day and that night. Thank you for reminding me to take this assignment seriously because that was a make-or-break assignment. No question in my it mind. Was. Yep. No question. And that, that was a great definition of trust for me. He never mentioned it to me. And and from from literally from that day forward, and I worked directly for him for five years, from that day forward, he never asked about an assignment that he gave me. Never. Until it was time for him to look at it or for it to be needed. Not one time did he ask. So it makes me think of, uh, you know, a situation right now that I'm helping somebody with, and this person's boss keeps checking in, keeps checking in. It's like, and I had to say, you need to just let this person handle it, because if you don't, you're sending the message that you don't think he can handle it, and he can handle it. <laughs> so, so back true. away. <laughs> yeah. it, it is true. So it's a little bit it, of that. You know, it's like, I trust that you've got it, and... um you know, it's hard though. So if this this particular person that I'm talking about has dropped the ball on some things, um, it, so it's it hard is very not difficult. to in. It it is very difficult, and and I think there's a, I think there's a huge difference between delegating, dumping, and dropping. Um, yeah. You know, if if whomever is new to my department or my organization. And I give them something that they don't quite have the knowledge or the, uh, the skill uh, level developed to uh, the extent needed. And then I expect them to do it and don't make it clear they can ask for help or ask for more guidance. Um, I, th- I think that's, that's as bad as telling me exactly what to do. Uh, yeah, there we go. Because a, there's yeah, there's they're going to get confused. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but I think part of that, and and again, in my career, I was so fortunate because I I, I kind of did apprenticeships, and nobody called them that at the time, but yeah. I called them that to myself. I'm getting the opportunity opportunity to to be an apprentice to someone who's a master at XYZ. And yeah. part of that, you know, good mentors, they always keep safety nets under you. And there's a difference in a safety net and micromanaging. I'm not going to let this fall through the cracks and hurt you and the organization, but I might let you get pretty close sometimes. And I think that's the way I've operated over the years you, you got to get pretty close sometimes to that safety net. Maybe you think you're going over the cliff um, before you ask for help. But I need to make sure you know it's okay to ask for help. And it's yeah. not going to look bad if you ask for it. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, that was one of the things when I was interviewing Beth Zulo, she said, he told me, I'm your safety net. And I can come to him anytime. And I always knew that I could. And I was like, that's awesome. So somebody knows that. There's no trouble in asking. You were going to tell a story. I want to hear it. No, that's good to hear because this story kind of springboards on that. Oh, perfect. Yeah, one of my staff members uh, a couple years ago uh, had a, an extremely important project to handle. And this one, uh, extremely, I can't overestimate the uh, importance of the project. And a major project. And um, the person got to a point where it was really close to the deadline and notified me that um, they might have to ask for an extension of the deadline. And that was non-negotiable. We couldn't ask for an extension. And so I communicated with this person and, and tried to make it real clear that there wasn't a possibility for extension. And what I needed for them to do is figure out, one, why the deadline might be missed, and two, what could be done to to meet the deadline. Did we need to rally the troops? Did we need to get whatever? And very honestly, uh, it was not a pleasant meeting. Um, I was not a nice guy. And she did tell me I was I was polite and respectful. I'm not sure about that, but um, <laughs> I was not a nice guy uh, yeah. because I, deadlines are critical. Yep. Anyway, the, the short version of the story is uh, the person knew it was her responsibility. She stepped back. She assessed what the problem was, what needed to be done. We assembled who needed to be done. And when it was all done, met the deadline, and it was extremely well done. Like I knew it would wow. be. Yeah. Here was the here was the kicker to it. When she did her self evaluation, um, she marked herself down uh, in this one particular um, area. And in my one on one conference with her uh, during her evaluation, I told her I said, "No, I'm not marking you down. I'm actually marking you higher than you were last year." Because you problem solved, you figured out what needed to be done, and you came up with a solution. And she was stunned. I have to say, she was totally stunned. But in in my world, in in the whole notion of leadership, I think that was the most powerful message I could send her is, you did what I've been asking you to do. You made the decisions, you figured out what the problem was and figured out the solutions, and you met the deadlines. Um, Now, a little aside to the aside here, this person, I just found out like two weeks ago, uh, got a promotion, uh, which is outstanding. I mean, I love hearing that. Uh, But really, that's that's that whole notion, and I'm I'm huge on uh, people are accountable for their jobs, and my job is to hold them accountable. And in this case, she was accountable, 
and she was held accountable, and she did it, and she did it extremely well. I love so that story, by the way. To her, yeah, your message to her was results were met, and you don't get dinged for having a little bit of a crisis in the middle of it. Um, Correct. So and you know, you don't so get... It's like it's okay to be there because if you had not come to me and we hadn't talked about it, and I couldn't help mentor and guide a bit by asking particular questions, you might not have been able to regroup. So you get rewarded for letting me know what was going on in addition for the fact that you, you, you pulled it out. You know, a lot of managers would have uh, held, held that against for having the Christ, quote-unquote crisis moment. No, you, you summed it up again perfectly, and, and again – uh, the deadline was met, and the the product was excellent, like I knew it would yeah. be. But but you summed it up perfectly. It, it's it's not only saying to her and other staff members, you know, if you need some help on it, you need guidance, you got questions, you can come to me. I got to make sure it's not punitive when you when you come to me. Otherwise, right. I'm not coming back. It's it's the yes. you know the finger in the electrical outlet syndrome. I'm not going to put hurts. my finger in there again yeah. if it's going to hurt. Yeah, we learned that, don't we? Yes, we did. It hurts. We're not going to do it again. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. <laughs> so many of the ways you think um, are just, uh, I hope you don't mind me complimenting you, but are, um, I want to sound like a valley girl and say awesome, just this practical oh, Thanks. Common sense, caring, looking and seeing the best of people. Um, and I tend to lean that way, but it's because I've had to really work at it. I didn't grow up with great mentors, and that's been my catalyst is is uh, wanting to know how to do it better, personally and professionally. And um, and in your case, you had, and I have certain books and people and things that have helped me the most. And in your case, it sounds like you've had great mentors and had a great family. Um, and then, you know, had all the bumps in the road that we all have. So um, I'm curious about um, – there are other people who've had great mentors and great family and haven't reached this place that you've reached. But if you were going to think about maybe educational things or books or training programs that really, really solidified all this, was it mostly mentors and people you saw? Or are there other things you'd add to the list that – helped you have this, uh, I'll do my Valley Girl again, awesome uh, <laughs> way at looking at leadership and at people and giving people the benefit of the doubt while holding them accountable. What what other tools or resources have been most helpful to you? And let me make a disclaimer here. I'm, I'm still a student of the game of leadership. I mean, I, I make a hundred mistakes a, a week and I am definitely not uh, the perfect leader, um, but I do try to learn uh, about leadership, and again, I do practice uh, the square one mentality. Um, you know, I, I I do think leadership is evolutionary, and I've kind of um, gotten it from uh, a lot of different directions. One was the mentorship. Again, I, I call it kind of the apprenticeship. And yeah. I, I always recommend to people when uh, either we're talking about leadership, leadership, meaning I'd like to go into leadership or I'd like to advance in leadership, I always talk to people about find an advocate 
yeah. in your organization that's going to yep. be a, a person that will advocate for you. And they may or may not even be in your department, but it's someone you might observe as, I'd like to be that kind of leader. I'd uh-huh. like for people to say those kinds of things about me. And, I, and I'd like to have that kind of reputation. Find that advocate because they can help you either kind of enter the the realm of leadership or progress through the ranks of leadership. So that'd be the first thing I would tell people. Find find the advocate. And, and sometimes, very frankly, uh, that advocate should tell you, you're not cut out for this. Or I don't think that's the area of leadership that's going to be best for you. Um, I've had many of those conversations before. And, and, I, and I ask the question to people, uh, a common question I'll get because I've been in, in HR so long. Randy, there's a, uh, a position open for XYZ in HR at ABC Company. What do you think? And my first question to them is, what if you got the job? And then there's this silence. <laughs> and I say, here's what I'm asking. When you sign on in that position, they're going to expect that you know the job. And the, my question for you is, what if you got it? Mm-hmm. So, again, the advocate needs to be the person that sometimes um, has to be the bad guy or girl yeah. and say, that one's not for you. I don't think you're cut out to do that. And it's hard. It's real hard. I've 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 had those unpleasant conversations and you know, people wanted to choke me and sometimes <laughs> I was right and sometimes I was wrong. Right. This the second area that, that I think it's critically important for people and it's the formal piece of education. Um I have a master's, a specialist and doctorate and they're all in leadership. And I, I say to people, and I don't mean it flippantly, with that and over 30 years in leadership, I'm still a student of the game. And if I ever get to the point where I think I know all the answers to leadership, guess what? That's the day I will be an ineffective leader. There's no question in my mind. I need to hang it up that day. Um, the third piece is, um, I've, I've read quite a bit of John Maxwell stuff. I think it's great. Uh, Patrick Lencioni, I've read a lot of his stuff. I love Death by Meetings, by the way. Yeah. And then I see on your website, and you have it, I think the Gallup information um, is critical. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 is, it is so, in my mind, simple and so powerful at the same time. And I don't, I don't understand, very frankly, why supervisors don't get it. Because it's very clear, according to Gallup, why people are disengaged in jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there. It's been there every year for the past at least two years, maybe three or four years. You know, there's yeah. one key reason why people are disengaged in their job, and it's the supervisor. Yep. So I think all of those things are 
would be the things that have been kind of instrumental in, in my development. That was a very long answer, but it's been a long career. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect wisdom, though. Find an advocate in your organization who's going to tell you what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. Um, the formal piece of education, uh, part of it is always be learning. So even with Correct. all your degrees, you still don't believe you know it all, and you're always learning and evolving. And then you mentioned, it sounds like a couple of your favorites are Lencioni, John Maxwell, and the Gallup Research. Was there anything else you mentioned in the in the as far as books or research? Are those your there favorites? isn't, and I'll I'll compliment you uh, because uh, I think it's critically important, and you do too. Uh, the whole notion of leaders better be good listeners, and you're obviously a good listener. You summed it up perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, listening is good. I like the Gallup research, and for anybody who's not listening, I think I went or not aware of it. It's in episode number 13, uh, pricelessprofessional.com slash four skills, the word spelled out. Um, I go through what the 12 items are in the Gallup research, but it's basically a summary of what employees want in order to be engaged, and it's kind of like, do I matter to you kind of roadmap. And I always refer to it because it's it's a simple roadmap, just like you said, and and it shows how important the leadership is to and supervision is to a person's success or engagement, and then it, they tied it to business results. So the skeptic who's all about the bottom line, you look at that research and you're like, okay, yeah, it's all about the bottom line, so my behaviors are about the bottom line too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I always feel like it makes the case, you know, if somebody's just not seeing it, um, that's a, a, a way to understand that. It's a great thing, and, and you know, any – leader can take those 12 questions and ask themselves how their own staff members might respond to them. Uh, it's really enlightening. Uh, so I've, I'm very pleased to see the Gallup research on your uh, on your website. Good stuff. It points the way, you know, and it makes it so so much less complicated. People are so busy. And so yes, there's so much going on. So give me something concrete that I can look at, you know, and that's one of those. And it's highly researched. Um, so we're coming towards a close. And one of the things we talked about earlier was about uh, micromanaging and that being one of the barriers that gets in the way of people becoming great leaders and bosses. Um, so we've got – we micromanage – a little bit. I forget now what we were talking that about that and what context. Um, oh, it was about you talking about you know more than I do. Tell me what you think. Sure. Get, let, sure. Not putting a fence around people. So that's one of the barriers I'm assuming you'll say. What are some of the other barriers that you've seen or maybe that you've overcome? Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the maybe top three to five? Another one I think I see, um, it, it kind of pairs a little bit with micromanaging, but it's the the me-centered leader. Uh, I'm, I'm really in this for me, and what matters most is what matters to me and what's going to get me ahead. Um, I think that's a kiss of death for most leaders. It, it might work temporarily. I definitely don't think it'll work long term. 
and I do not think you would have um, followers who would go to battle with you mm. because I think they would be able to see right through that. Yep. I think another area that um, is problematic uh, for some leaders is um, what I call a gutless leader. Oh, and, yeah. You know, good leaders have to make tough decisions and they have to understand that sometimes those tough decisions are going to be very unpopular decisions. And it's the question of, you know, do you do the right thing? And I, I like to change that slightly and say I think good leaders do the right thing at the right time. Yeah. And that kind of gets to my last one, I think, uh, that where some leaders kind of have difficulty is um, lack of strategic thinking and strategic action. And that's why I really like that notion of do the right thing at the right time. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's it's very hard uh, because, again, uh, tough decisions that may be the right decisions many times are very unpopular and very difficult. But I think uh, that's part of the territory territory of leadership. How do you think you become or how would you – uh, point to someone struggling with the gutless leader syndrome a little bit. They don't want to call themselves that, but they know they're not making the tough decisions and maybe they're not to tie it with your number four being very strategic. How mm-hmm. could uh, if somebody came to that awareness or had a sense that that wasn't their greatest strength? How did you get strong in that? And how have you helped other people get strong there? Well, I think I think you just described what it is, uh, you you pair uh, the two together. The whole notion of, of decision making and and uh, strategic thinking, action. Um, if if you if you look at decisions that have to be made, and I think part of it is again you have to have some guiding principles and. If, for example, well, uh, in the K-12 environment, and my former superintendent I had lunch with today, um, he had a guiding principle that, and I haven't worked with him for about eight years now, but he had a guiding principle that made decision-making so much easier, particularly when it was a hard decision. And the guiding principle was, is this the best decision for students? And then everything falls in place with that. Now, that doesn't make many of them decisions easier because very few of us are able to operate in political vacuums, and particularly right. in public schools. You're never able to operate in a, in a political vacuum. But I think the, the, the leader that struggles with decision-making, particularly when it's the tough decisions, uh, I believe you can get better at it, one, the more you do it, two, yeah. you, you take some issue or issues that, that may not be earth-shattering but may be difficult, and you really go through the process of uh, strategic thinking, uh, strategic problem-solving, 
and make sure that that decision has a successful outcome. Yep. may not be popular, but it has a successful outcome. And you get a little more confidence with it, and you take some of the some of the burn off when you start getting the criticisms. Uh, you know, one of the things we all know is as leaders, you're going to have a silent majority. You're going to have a certain percentage that are going to be your a fellowship of the miserables. They're going to complain about everything. <laughs> and then you're going to have a certain percent that are going to be your cheerleaders uh, even when you really didn't do a particularly good job of something. Yep. With the with the whole notion of 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 uh, confident decision making and you know making those gut wrenching wrenching decisions, you, you know you pull in some of those people that you can trust. Okay, let let's talk about this. How's it going to go? What are the implications if we do this? If we do that? But you're really looking for uh, success in that decision, and then. Hopefully that'll breed more success. Um, and you do uh, obviously you do your homework. I mean, if if it's we've got to close X Y Z operation, or we've got to move so and so division to whatever. Well, go back to those kind of original questions. Why are we doing this? What are the alternatives? What are the implications? Um, every leader can be very good when things are positive and the decisions are easy. It, it, it's the really, again, the top few percent of the best leaders who can make the tough decisions. And although people may not agree with it, they know it was the right decision for the right reasons. I'll never forget years ago when I was moving into a chief opera, uh, chief HR position in a in a very large school system in in Georgia. I was interviewed by a, a reporter and um, kind of asked about. There were some kind of prickly issues going on, and kind of asked about you know, in a roundabout way, well, you know, how are you going to handle X, Y, Z? And I said, you know, I'm going to have to make some very tough decisions in this in this uh, position. And the reality is I've got to make decisions that are best for students. And sometimes that may not be the best decision for employees. Now, I fully expected to get blasted by some teachers the next day. Mm-hmm. Not one said anything. Wow. Not one. Now, I was surprised and relieved, but I think what it told me was that was the right decision at the risk of being very unpopular the first day on the job. Right. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want to sound like I've made all the tough decisions at the right time and the right way? I sure haven't, but that's what good leaders have to do. It's uh, putting the thought into it, uh, looking at it from all kinds of angles. It's, uh, you know, before you make a decision, it's like having the guiding principles. That's 
powerful and uh and it's having the trust of enough people where you can actually get all the input so that you can make the right decision so it's uh you know that last part is so important in every role that I've had um every leadership role I've had I've always been fortunate enough to have people that I could go to and say I'm thinking about XYZ or we've got this issue and kind of what do you think? And again, there's a certain percent that are, are just miserable in life and <laughs> they're not going to give you good answers about what's best for the organization. They're going to give you what's best for them. But then you have a group that if they talk to you and tell you, um, most of the time they're going to tell you what's best for the organization, and uh, they're going to support it. Uh, I, I really have not found an exception of that over my career. I really haven't. And I've been very fortunate to be uh, able to, to talk very candidly to a small group of people in, in every organization about tough decisions and and problem solving, et cetera. So when you think about the word successful, mm-hmm. who's the first person that comes to mind? Yeah, uh, that'd be my brother. Uh, yeah, you mentioned him earlier. Tell us about your brother. Sure. Um, he was also in education. He's retired recently. And um, he was um, in it was a very unique uh, skill set he had. Uh, he was a director of a performing arts school, uh, nationally known, uh, incredible results. And he had has the creative artistic ability to live in that world. But he also has the skill set to live in the business world because he had a, a, a really nice budget that he had to manage and manage uh, staff. Um, he would be what I call a charismatic leader. Um, people would follow him to the ends of the earth, and I've told him hundreds of times, I'm really glad you're an ethical person because yeah. you, you you could have had people doing very unethical things simply because you asked them to do it, and they wanted to please you and have you endorse what they had done. Um a very successful career, and then um, literally kind of de facto was asked to be a consultant when they were renovating a very old theater. And then shortly thereafter, they asked him if he would come on as the executive director, which he did, and kind of had a second career in that world in nonprofit and definitely in the political arena, arena and just excelled, just did a fantastic job. And um, he and I try to have breakfast every Sunday morning together. We're best friends. Oh, uh, isn't that a, nice? It is. I'm very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. But, um, you know, my mom thought we would never speak to each other in <laughs> adulthood because we just didn't like yeah. each other a lot until we were in yeah. college. Yeah, uh, isn't that funny? Yeah, but he's been a he's been a great inspiration and role model for me. 
Yeah, I can hear it. You can hear the admiration in your voice, which, oh, by the way, is the same kind of admiration Beth Zulo uses when she talks about you and having worked yeah, for you. That's yeah, awfully so, nice to hear. It really is. It yeah, really is. Yeah. Just the admiration, and it's uh, you called him a charismatic leader. So I think y'all are probably pretty darn similar. <laughs> Our personalities <laughs> so, are very different. He's very outgoing and very extroverted. Yeah. And, Never met a, a a stranger, and you know I'm, yeah. I'm much more quiet, and and, uh, and I don't really. I've, I've been fairly talkative today, but generally, uh, and people ask questions and I'll respond to them. But I'm, I'm generally kind of I like to listen more. Sounds like you both have similar values. Very much so. You know, very much so. Uh, ethic, work ethic. So that's kind of the underlying similarity, probably. Um, Absolutely. So, two last questions. Um, if you could have, this is kind of another fun question. If you could have one billboard anywhere, what would it be and what would it say? Um, Susie, I did not realize until some of our. Um, our participants in our leadership academy academy uh mentioned to me that I constantly asked the question, "What did you learn today?" Oh, I love it yeah. <laughs> so that would be my billboard, and actually uh one of the students made a sign for me i've actually in my t v room at home. <laughs> what did you learn today? Yeah, that would be oh, it. I love yeah. that yeah, yeah. perfect. Perfect. I'm going to adopt that. If I ever have to answer that question, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll say I got it from you. I won't take credit for it, but I do love it. Uh, it's that being curious and that, you know, the fact that you looked at every position as I'm, a, I'm uh, in a, uh apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. If you always saw it as, you know, mm-hmm. look around, what can I learn? What can I know? How can I mm-hmm. become more, be more? So that's awesome. What did you learn today? That's and then it. our last yeah. question, would you what advice would you give your thirty year old self? Yeah, I love that question by the way. Um I would say uh the advice would be think strategically. And that encompasses a lot of things. Um you know, I I really think everybody should have a a strategic plan for their career and it's you decide kind of what you want to get out of a career some people it might be position some people it might be title some people it might be money some people it might be prestige accomplishment whatever it may be uh and and make that your overriding uh mission and and then in your everyday life, whether you're a leader or you're a staff member or whatever, is, okay, let's think strategically about what I'm about to do today. Is it going to help the organization? Is it going to help my department? Is it going to help me personally? And then the flip side of that is, is it going to hurt somebody? Is it going to hurt the organization? Is it going to hurt the department? Is it going to hurt me personally? And then 
act accordingly. Um, with strategic planning and what I would tell particularly my 30-year-old self is is be patient and observe. Mm-hmm. And then based on those observations and based on being patient, then think, plan, and act strategically. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't tell you I did that when I was a 30-year-old, but I can tell you that's what I would tell 30-year-olds now. Yeah, yeah. That could be another billboard. Be patient and observe. <laughs> and the well, other I told, one, uh, think strategically. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I kind of did onboarding with, with the HR staff, I, I would say to them, I have a little um, acronym. It's OPA, Observe, Plan, O-P-A. Act. OPA, oh, mm-hmm. Observe, Plan, Act, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reality is, in every organization, there are going to be things that are sacrosanct. <laughs> don't touch yep. that. And yeah. if you touch you it... Don't start there. Exactly. Exactly. And take plenty of time to observe. I mean, you know, the reality is, and I'll use HR as an example, if there are certain things that you're violating the law, you're out of compliance or whatever, obviously, you you got to deal with those. Uh, immediately, but there probably aren't going to be too many of those. And then otherwise, let's observe. Let's see what's working, how it's working. You know, is it is it really working very very well? And you really don't need to do anything except for reinforce the fact that it's going fine. And then once you decide there's some things that need to be done, okay, let's plan it out, and then let's act. Uh, far too often, people get to the, and I mean, again, I can't tell you I haven't done it, but you get to the, the, uh, the uh, ready, fire, aim. Fire, aim. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So it's really that's a great way to summarize what thinking and acting strategically is. Is just observe, plan, act. It is. It is for me, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So you have so much wisdom to share. Are you writing a book? (laughs) No, I'm going to leave those to the experts like you. Uh, Uh, I think you could. The whole time I was thinking, well, that that would be an interesting book, and this would be in there, and that would be in there, but that's not on your mind, doesn't sound like. (laughs) No, I have to say that um, poor people who've worked with me uh, unfortunately, they get to hear the war stories, and um, I, I really, I really try to use those as as uh, learning pieces. Uh, here's a situation that occurred. Here's kind of what we were presented with. Um, what do you think? And then, well, here's what we did, and here's how it turned out. <laughs> you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, but no, I don't think I'll. I'll be writing a book, but I like to read good writers of leadership types of things. Right. And and it sounds like you're doing HR consulting now. Um, mm-hmm. Are you doing it outside of your work with Chattahoochee Technical College or uh, yes, I am. with the college? Okay. I'm doing a little bit of both. Um, yep. I, um, it's, it's been kind of interesting, actually, because um, – I literally am working with a group right now 
to uh, help one with some strategic planning, which uh, obviously you probably tell I kind of like that. Yes. And then completely different, though, not too long ago, actually before I went out of the country, I uh, did a little personnel investigation for an organization. So two very different uh, kinds of projects there, but you know, both of them in the arena of HR. Uh, it's been kind of fun, really. So if anybody's listening to this and they're like, ooh, I would like to talk to Dr. Randy Reese or see um, – you know, if he'd be interested in our consulting project or, I mean, is that something you'd be open to, uh, somebody reaching out to you or you're only talking to folks you know or? No, I, I would I would definitely do that. And, um, you know, I, I have a real good friend who has a consulting company. And, uh, again, it gets back to that whole notion of, of your belief statements, your values your, that, that kind of drive your action. He has a great philosophy. I love it. Is he says, you know, my consulting company is based on. I just want to go help people out. I've got a bunch of experience. He's kind of has a similar track to me, and he said, I've got a bunch of experience, and if I can help somebody out, uh, that's great. If you know it ends up, you know, make some money, that's even better. But uh, so yes, the short answer is, I'd, I'd certainly be glad. Uh, to help out and um, how could people get uh, in touch with you probably the easiest way would be um, email okay. and it's What's that? R-E-E-C-E-R 52 at comcast dot net reser 52 comcast dot net and um, sure I'd be more than glad to talk with someone and uh, you know if it's something that you know, they think I might be um, an asset for them. I'd, I'd be glad to do that. Sure. Great. I like that. I want. I just want to help people out, which is what you've been doing your whole career. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I, I, I've, it's been a great career, I have to tell you. And now it's it's kind of one of those uh, with the with the limited consulting. It's it's really what my friend said. It's okay. You know, we've we've kind of been through the wars. We've we've got some experience, and gosh, we don't want people to make some of the mistakes that we made. And if we can can help out, um, that's great. And you know, if if our skills don't fit their need, that, that's okay. We understand that. Right. The best place to be, eager to help, but okay if it's not a fit. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it nice really feeling, is. I have to tell you. I mean, it really yeah, is. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's I nice. like it. I work to live there, too. Uh, So what I'm going to put in the show notes is, if you didn't catch uh, Randy's email address, it'll be in the show notes, and I'll reference the the page for that uh, in in earlier parts of this or later parts of this uh, interview. But thank you so much for taking the time today to share. You shared so many uh, important tips and tools and of yourself and it's just been a, a pleasure to have you on the call. So thank you very much. Well, it's been my pleasure. I, I appreciate you calling. And, um, again, I'm very impressed with your with your website and extremely impressed with your questions and even more so impressed with your um, listening ability. You're very good at it. 
thank you, thank you. I work at that. <laughs> so thank oh, you. You're you're very good at it. Seriously, I, uh, quick funny aside is I always love to watch people at lunch uh, during the work week because you'll invariab- invariably have the talker and the designated listener, and yep. it's a lost art. It is a lost art, Uh, but you're very good at it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, there's uh, actually it's been a part of my growth process in regard to uh, how can I be more present, how can I be in the conversation, not just playing around in the conversation, and it's so much uh, more meaningful. And uh, anyway, there's just so much value there with the listening. So you and I both value that skill and it is something uh, that those of us who are extroverts uh everybody has to work at it i believe but if you're an extrovert you have to be doubly aware of what you're doing because <laughs> we like to talk too you know <laughs> so. all right thank you very much Susie, it was a pleasure good luck to you all right did you enjoy the interview what were your favorite parts So many things that that he shared were important to me. I think I I liked hearing about his beliefs. I loved understanding that how powerful having your beliefs in place and having them um, not only in your head, but being able to verbalize them and using them as your guide. So in in his beliefs, he has a strong belief that a vast number of employees want to do a good job. And when you come from that perspective, then how you lead is very different. And so I thought that was very interesting. I loved what he talked about, about trust and talking about delegating, dumping and dropping and what the difference is. And um, just so many, so many nuggets in there about uh, leadership. So I hope that was helpful to you. He did mention in there the Gallup information, and that's some research that talks about 12 questions, and we talked about it a little bit, and I want to mention the where you can find that. The show notes for that is pricelessprofessional.com slash four skills, F-O-U-R skills. The show notes for today's program is pricelessprofessional.com slash best boss. So you can find links and and just kind of review where different parts of the interview, if you want to go back and list uh, listen to specific areas, I have the timing in the show notes of what different topics are covered where in the interview, in case you want to share it with someone. He also mentioned that one of his favorite tools or resources is Patrick Lencioni. And Patrick Lencioni is a great writer and he comes up with very good models. And I just wanted to mention that models for one of the areas that I do some work in is around the five dysfunctions of a team. And he has a process that I teach and will take teams through. Um, so I just wanted to mention that in case you were curious about that or, or not familiar with Patrick Lencioni. His most famous work is the five dysfunctions of a team. And that is some work that I do. And if you go to my website, pricelessprofessional.com, and you look for the train coach link, you'll see an overview on that, that process, the five dysfunctions of a team. So as we come to a close today, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to Dr. Randy Reese for his time. Thank you, Beth Zulo, for taking time to share and speak up about your best boss. And uh, it's very inspirational. And there's lots of action items or ideas for action that came out of that interview. So remember that I have, this is now the 14th episode. So that means there's other episodes that you can listen to. And you can go look at the list of episodes if you go to Wake Up Eager Workforce. Dot com All one word, wakeupeagerworkforce.com. Now, my next episode is going to be another leadership skills episode, and we're going to talk about actions to take, things that you can do, actual skill steps, 
when an employee is not doing well on the job. If maybe their work habits aren't, aren't working or for you or their, or their motivation isn't working or you need to discipline, there needs to be some discipline discussion. You know, what do you do? So we're going to talk about some skill steps and some tools and have a discussion about that. So I look forward to uh, tuning in with you on our next episode, which will come out at the end of the month. This is August 2015, so that will come out here shortly. And I just want to thank you for listening and being a part and allowing me to have this uh, opportunity to share and to meet great people like Dr. Reese and Beth Zulo and all the others and to be able to share things that I'm learning. So it's great fun and uh, much success to you this week and onward. And uh, send me a note, Susie at PricelessProfessional.com. You can send me, S-U-Z-I-E, send me a note if you have a question or an idea for a podcast. You can also go over to the Wake Up Eager Workforce dot com um, directory and if you want to subscribe you can subscribe so you never miss an episode and I'm working on getting an app so that you can download an app it'll be free but that way you'd have the app on the phone and every time a new um, on your phone every time a new episode comes out you don't have to go download it or anything you can just open it right there on your phone and listen while you're driving so that's coming soon I'll let you know when that's available meanwhile take care much success to you and we'll talk again soon This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to PricelessProfessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources.